Hi everyone, this is Maxine Ryan with Prosper Podcast and today's guest is Dave Dharma Wangsa, a social entrepreneur and current CEO at X Media, which is a influencer marketing agency that works with tech platforms and civic movements. Jade was the first person that I knew that was talking about the creator economy before it was a hot uh, VC topic. So I really wanted to get her on here and talk everything about creator economy, Web3 and the future for creators. So Jade, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Maxine, for ha- having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, it's. Um, I feel like our our lines crossed when we just kind of met some other like third parties, and then we were like, "Hey, like we should definitely start talking because we're kind of in a similar space, or at least we can like see a similar future." But you know, I know that you're a creator. You have like a huge following on uh, YouTube, um, and like I want to get into your story. So before you became a creator that was helping other people, how did you become a creator yourself? Yeah. So I discovered YouTube at its infancy. It was like 2009. I think I was like, I was literally like nine years old at the time. Um, And I remembered I was just like watching YouTubers like Michelle Fawn, Bethany Moda, just a bunch of these like original creators. And I was like really inspired. So I started my first beauty channel. It was called Kitty Films 8. It was a mixture of like playing with dolls, makeup, and just things you do for fun. Um, and I actually had, excuse me, let me move this. Whatever that. I actually had a bunch of, you know, health issues when I was a kid. So I, it, it made me stay at home a lot. So like my internet friends were like my only form of social life. This is like the pandemic, but like pre that, I was just, I was just <laughs> stuck inside. Um, so I remember when I was 10 or 11, I wanted to make some sort of money so I could upgrade from my parents' laptop camera to maybe a physical camera. So I started to sell e-commerce products. So I would literally like have an audience of people that like my dolls and my makeup. So it'd sell exactly that. So I'd be selling like products from Alibaba. I would import them and then export them from my garage. Um, (laughs) So I didn't really do much school. I was basically just hustling to get a new camera. Um, So like at 14, I ended up getting my first camera. But yeah, my start has just always been to tell stories. And then I didn't realize you can make money from it. Uh, I just liked, you know, making videos better. So I just wanted a new camera. And I remembered like my dad was the one who told me, Jay, like what you're doing is content marketing. I'm like, what? No way. So your dad knew it before anybody else did. <laughs> yeah. My dad was like, okay, like come work for me. So my dad actually has an agency where he does software for Shopify brands. So they build like apps inside Shopify. So at like 16, this is where Jade started to kind of work with more brands. I kind of got a taste of the agency world and yeah, I was just basically like working for my dad for free, but I learned so much. And like, I think from there, I realized like, I love YouTube, but I love also working with brands. And that's where X8 Media started. I was like, I want to do this forever. So our agency now helps brands tell their stories typically in tech or social movements because that's what I'm very aligned in. Um, And I also do my own YouTube channel still till this day. It's the same channel since the start. (laughs) Um, And that's what I do to kind of share with my audience my journey. Yeah. I mean, I think what was really interesting was when I went onto X8 Media, I saw that you guys did specialize in tech and like civic movements. And I just wonder, is it that they're both separately something you're really interested in? Or do you actually find that tech and civic movements are kind of like two in one, I guess? I think especially, yes, I think it's two in one. I definitely think if you are like, especially with techno- like Web3 communities, they're very forward-thinking. It's a philosophy, like, of being decentralized. So I definitely think that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, the whole point of a DAO is, like, basically 
a community with aligned values, fundraising a certain thing. So I definitely think it's hand in hand. Like, for example, last year, I worked on a campaign for the U.S. election where we created like a TikTok house and, you know, gained uh, gathered audiences from TikTok creators and then, you know, helped encourage Gen Z to vote. And, you know, we worked with brands like, you know, Nike, like Converse that like are maybe just into like tech in terms of forward thinking. And then like naturally it's a social movement. So I definitely think it goes hand in hand. Yeah, I love what you said about it being a philosophy and I think like in this podcast, I'd really love to go into the philosophy of the creator economy. But before we get into that, what is the creator economy and why is it such a hot topic right now? I think the creator economy, it was everybody's hobby that now is a job, you know, doing what you love and making money from it to me is the creator economy. I also heard it's described as like the passion economy, but I think it's the finest terms. It's like gaming, you know, art, video gaming, or like telling stories online was all a hobby and now it's career paths, right? So I think why it's such a hot topic? Well, especially due to the pandemic, a lot of opportunities in the market have resulted to online. A lot of marketing is online. So it, I think it's really accelerated. I mean, I've been here since like over 10 years, like it's over a decade. So to me, it accelerated like before last year, but I think, you know, in 2020 going to 2021, VC and people who want to invest in this creator economy, I think saw it because it's like the only form of marketing, like influencers and creators are the only way to reach an audience because of the pandemic. Now I thought it actually was way of a bigger topic in 2017 when I saw like the nomadic lifestyle become a trend where people didn't want to work at home. They wanted to like travel. And that's what I did. I lived out of a suitcase for like six months. Um, I remembered I literally dropped out of high school. And then from there I was like, okay, I'm going to like live out of my suitcase and then work and make videos. And that's what I did from like 17 to 18. And I think that's where I saw like, okay, like I'm going to do this full time because I saw other creators also doing the same thing. A lot of people were moving and traveling and I saw like a job that like made you stay in one place is not going to be the future. It's something that enables you to move and collaborate with others without restrictions. Yeah. So I guess it's like from what you've seen is that you've just kind of seen like this new way of work that's happening, a new way that people are sustaining themselves through being Mm -hmm. a creator or their passion or their side hustle and like that becoming full time. And I guess like a new world order in some sense, in terms of like how we are as people monetizing ourselves in like on the internet. I mean, like you have been in this industry for almost a decade and I can only imagine like the differences that you're seeing between like the old world and the new world. So what do you think the old world like a creator economy look like for people and creators? Was it like, usually people were doing it on the side? Um, and what should we be expecting for the new world economy? I actually, so I think the old way of creators has been like produced by, you know, agencies and managements and networks, and then having a platform to distribute that and then the audience. The new form of creators is direct connection, right? So like a, a byproduct of, right, if, when there's so many layers, if you're an actor, basically if you're an actor and you have to be on Disney Channel to reach an audience, you're going to be filtered. You have to read a script. You're going to be in some sort of level of high production and you're going to be looking perfect. Whereas I think, you know, a create a new level or new type of creator has no filter. Like my channel, I cuss a lot. I wear no makeup. I drive in my car. Emma Chamberlain, a really popular Gen Z creator with 12 million subscribers, I think does the same thing, farts on camera. Like there's this level of transparency and going back to philosophy, I think this is where crypto is really interesting because um, I think, you know, if we're looking at the old and new, I think the new way for creators to monetize is not through brand deals, 
um, previously, you know, my revenue still to this day is 50% through B2B. So brands paying me to talk about the product, but I think in the future, it's going to be not monetizing off the community, but with the community. So I think that's where NFTs and DAOs will come in. So I think there's two trends. It's like transparency being raw and like yourself. And I mean, like every time I get ready for a video, I'm like, wait a second, I don't need to. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like I, sometimes I overthink my own channel because sometimes I'm like, wow, I have 400,000 people watching me. Uh, like I need to get ready. But then I realized like a creator is not looking perfect. And at least now, I mean, my type of content at least isn't, I could just be myself. And I think that goes and transcends into everything. Like you don't need to, you know, read a script to get a, to get a paycheck, to receive a brand deal. You can, you know, create, you know, products, uh, monetize with the community through tokens, um, NFTs come in play. So yeah, I think it's just transparency and, um, truly working with your community, not like, you know, talking to a community. Yeah. I think like people are getting really sick of like this facade that people have put up just in society in general. And like, it's really hard, I think, to find people who are real. And right now, like more and more people are willing to be like vulnerable and real online. And like, I remember talking to Sigel Wen about this and he was like, yeah, like, I want to be the person who's like comfortable with crying online to like thousands of people, because that's exactly how I'm feeling at that time. Um, But like something that you had mentioned about having a direct relationship with the audience, I kind of feel like creators are becoming like business owners in some sense, like more so um, instead of kind of being like almost like a paid actor. Do you think that there's a concept about ownership that's coming up in the creator economy? I will say not all creators are entrepreneurs. I have a lot of, like, I would say I'm a pretty good 50-50 because I was selling toys and e-commerce and doing videos when I was like 10 or 11. So I think I'm into it. Like personally, I like it. I have a lot of friends who don't and they need teams and managers. I do think there's a, there's a, you don't have to be successful and do everything and be an entrepreneur, but it's helpful because then you essentially don't have to rely on a third party. Now, in terms of a sense of ownership, I think, Currently, the way a creator business works typically is, you know, you you are the you are the direct connection with your audience. But most creators have managers and agencies that bring them deals, bring them the opportunities, or helps them build their store. And I think you know, there's this huge thing, and we can not even look in the creator economy, but in the music industry, uh, my friend's band. It's a huge phenomenon. So why don't we? They are like, you know, tens of millions of followers. They one of the like the band was formed on American Idol, which seems yeah. so bad today, but it was a big thing. It's still a big thing. <laughs> um, and their agency, this is like just came out last week, basically realized, like the artists realized that they were getting paid via a salary. They were never owning their brand, their music, their IP. And it's kind of scary because they've been doing this for years and years. And I think with creators, you know, I've have numerous stories of agencies, you know, signing a creator to three-year contract, owning a huge part of their business without the creator understanding like how valuable it is to have full ownership. Um, so I do think like more and more people are like creators and my friends are like trying to stay away from big, big agencies and more work with like, like I, a lot, like my manager is actually like a subscriber of mine that I've hired in. Like I I'm trying to lurk personally less top down and more like my community that already knows me. Like my editor is not some random person I hired like through a, a company. It's like someone that watches my videos. Yeah. So I think it's like, I've been noticing this shift where like a lot of, unless you're a 
like the top 1%, you need to go to like the WMA or UTA of the world. I think a lot of creators want to value hundred percent ownership of their company and in exchange work with people that are contributors, not top down. Um, and with that, I think there's a huge influx of creator brands. I think like you mentioned, like creators being entrepreneurs, right? So creators like Mr. Beast or even my friend Haley are starting like actual like brands outside of their own, um, like clothing lines that are beyond them that are not to their name, but can be sold um, like as a real company. So I think those are the natural products that I've seen after, you know, creators wanting to stay away from big agencies taking their freedom and ownership. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think that when I, because I wouldn't describe myself as a creator because it's like the function of like Prosper app and everything is a little different, but something that creators and something that I've been hearing over and over again is this idea of IP. So can you go a little bit into like the different aspects of a creator business that a creator would have to be aware of? So you mentioned like IP, um, you know, employing people, this type of stuff. That's a good question. I think there's like, I think there's a three stages of a creator. It's like a startup, yeah. uh, you know, mid-stage and then scaling. It's like, it's really like a company. You know, when you're starting up, I would say this is when you have a thousand subscribers. It really doesn't matter to size. It's more just like, is this your full-time job yet? If it's not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily worry about team. I wouldn't necessarily worry about IP. Just make a lot of content. And, you know, I would say, Maxine, you're creating content on Twitter. Like content doesn't have to be, you know, a YouTube 10-minute video like me. It can be live streaming. It can be a, um, it can be whatever medium. But frequency is really important in the startup phase. I posted a daily video for a year on my channel that and I, I didn't have a team. I edited. I was editing in my parents' bedroom. So I think anybody can make content as long as you like really put your mind to it. I think once you hit a stage where you find your niche or your voice, your mid stage is essentially building the team as you, as you can. I think creators need to hire from their communities. Like hire your followers. Uh, my first editor volunteered. I was like, hey, like I know you just started out. You don't have to pay me. Let me like let me just help you. And then from there, we started working together and building a team. I think that is the biggest thing that will go from a creator to an entrepreneur, because as a creator, you need to focus on the vision, building the community, not editing or like uploading and all these smaller things. Uh, so that's the next phase. And then with that, revenue is really important. I will say, like, I get a really good lawyer. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I used to not read my contracts, right? And then I got really screwed over. Yeah. So legal is really important. And then with that, I think the last thing is once, you know, I can kind of dissect a creator business model, maybe if you're curious, but I think the, the last important thing is the IP. It's like your ownership. It's like, if you die, like what are revenue sources that don't need you to keep going? Because with one tweet, you could be canceled if you have a lot of audiences. I've definitely been in a place where I've been canceled and yeah. you don't want to rely hundred percent on your face and name. Although it's really cool to have a personal brand, really important to diversify. So in the scaling period, I always recommend creators to like contribute to other projects, even invest in other companies or start a new company outside of your own brand. Wow. Are you kind of willing to go into your experience of being canceled? Because I feel like not many people would maybe be as like raw about it. We can edit it out if like you don't want to talk about it. But... Oh yeah, I can talk about it. What do you? Where should we start? Um. Well, I mean, like, I guess, like, what 
this is my assumption from outside. Like you're probably going pretty good. And then maybe like you were not being filtered and then you got canceled for something. Like how did, is that what happened? Okay. So I've been canceled multiple times. I mean, I've just been here for a while. So well, the most recent one, oh gosh. I mean, I don't know. There's a bunch, I guess the, the most recent one is uh, when me and another creator, I won't name, she's really, really, really big. Um, and we went to, um, so she was getting married. Uh, the tea is I attended her wedding um, and there was a photo of me not wearing a mask at this wedding. And um, it was funny because the video is actually about her, like my friend getting married. The tea was actually why she shouldn't be married. Yeah. But I was brought in because I was like the, the character, like, by the way, this is the, the girl we need to attack. And I was like on the front cover of this like YouTube thumbnail. And then this, the video has like half a million views. It's like, you can find it. But um, I definitely got an influx of like people who unfollowed, like in one day, I think I lost like a thousand subscribers. Like it was quite a lot. And then I, got, I did get a lot of negative comments. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I since I am a creator that has been here for a while, I've seen this. It's really important to like learn from it. And sometimes your audience is right. And sometimes you can get better. Um, but then you also don't want it to define your whole life. So I, de I definitely remember like having to log off and like not check all my DMs because I would ruin my mental health and not actually make it productive for me to be a better and more mindful person. But yeah, I mean, it's really tough because like, my worry, not just like as a creator, but it's like, you're losing the trust of your audience and very quickly it's hard to regain. Um, so I, I, that's, that's, you know, a scary thing because brands also are my audience. You know, my, my team is also my audience, right? Your audience is not just like your fans. I don't consider it at all like that. It's like, sometimes it's the, it's your investors or sometimes it's your, yeah. you know, it's people that you need and you want to feel like they can trust you. Yeah. I mean, do you think that there's kind of like a point of which, your audience starts to own you a little bit because it's like, I could only imagine like if you have like an Emma Chamberlain or something like that with like millions of followers, at some point you kind of have to start editing yourself and like you kind of get given to your audience in a sense. Do you, do you see that kind of happening where like people are kind of curating themselves based on what their audience wants? Uh, yeah, there's no way to be a creator with 12 million followers without curating yourself. If you're an audience of maybe 10,000 to 100,000, I think it's very manageable to like make people happy, but you can't make millions of people happy. If you want to, you have to curate. And and some people are really good at that. Some people have teams and like I, because I'm in the industry, I know a lot of teams that literally have, you know, script writers to double check what they're saying, you know, and you wouldn't notice like a car vlog being scripted, but it is because they know if they don't, they could be, you know, their business. Cause you also have to think about it this way. If a creator is canceled, their entire management editors don't have a job anymore too. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, I was watching this documentary of Charlie D'Amelio, who's like the number one TikTok creator. And she's like stressed as a 16 year old, you know, her parents are relying on her for income. Yeah. She has like a huge team of managers. So I think a creator understands the responsibility that they're employing a bunch of people. So it's, it's, it's super hard to stay, you know, um, you know, make everyone happy. So you need a filter in and have a huge PR team. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so crazy. And I feel like there could be a whole hour just dedicated to like mental health and like how to handle that type of stuff, but um, getting, I guess, back onto the topic, what's the, what's your high level view about how the creator economy will look like in web three? Because I feel like, yeah, like 
creator economy is definitely a thing in Web 2, um, but there's so much innovation coming in Web 3. Like, what is it going to look like? That's a good question. So I think I, met, I talked a lot about the problems with the current creator model, which is like the, the only way for you to make money is if you're super, super big, because that's how sponsors mm-hmm. work. But if you're super, super big, you're at the mercy of your mental health and you're going to be depressed. Yeah. So <laughs> I think the, the Web3 way is like you don't need to be super big. And here's how. I think there's going to be more niche communities, aka creators that are not a billion plus followers, but maybe it's still a lot, like about like 100,000, which in the TikTok YouTube world is small. And I think what's going to happen is these smaller communities, maybe you're talking about cooking and it's just a tight group around cooking for um, Asian Americans. That's the cuisine, yeah. right? And I think when there's a tight aligned value, you can, it, you can actually, you know, it's like the thousand fan uh, theory, which is you don't need a lot of people to make money. You just need a thousand people that support you and always buy your things. So I think the shift is going to be smaller creators or just tighter communities around shared values. And the way we, you monetize is through the ownership of that channel. So for example, like I'm working on a project called NF tree and essentially my shared value within this community is I love, you know, talking about climate change and sustainability So I'm getting 10 or so creators in the LA area. So it's even more niche, right? Um, That are also passionate about climate change. And we're literally planting trees and minting them as NFTs uh, to promote this idea around uh, sustainability, but also the funds will go to a community treasury where everyone in that circle will own a part of, and it can act like as a half, you know, as a salary, or if you would say, but I think what's going to happen is like, it's really with shared values, because when you have such a big community, it's hard to have a shared value. Like I... Like, I will say this and I'm shame, like, I'm totally fine admitting this, but like our agency started to like help these large, large TikTokers create their own tokens. It didn't sell that well because when you have millions of followers, it's hard to define like, what are we here for? Right. Because um, people have different perspectives. Some people are here to make fun of you. Some people are hate to hate watch you. Right. So I think it's not about you have to be small. It's just, you have to have a clear defined value. You know, for me, it's social impact. But I think it could be cats. It could be cooking. And I think with that being said, the future of the creator economy will be either creators, you know, having their fans become kind of like their investors slash contributors. And that's how the, you know, how, that's how everyone will make a living by uh, a community type treasury. Um, the second thing is creators can also invest in other projects. So say you are the million billion follower type of creator. I think the way you can keep afloat and not as stressed is like, you know, making sure you're diversified and contributing to other projects. And I think a mixture of that will, you know, keep a lot of the mental health burnout at check. Yeah, it's, um, I think like what you're describing is almost like a microeconomy, right? Like mm-hmm. when you have, you know, millions of followers, then the economy that you have, your audience economy is just like so big that it is really hard to kind of define like what everybody is there for. So if you kind of want to start, I guess, like having your audience stuff like that, what do you think like NFTs and tokenization and like social tokens, all this type of aspect like would help? Like you had mentioned that you had um, the treasury, like how do people own a part of that treasury? How do they kind of interact with you're almost describing a DAO. Like, is that what you're? Kind yeah, of it's an Earth. Yeah, yeah, we're calling it Earth DAO. <laughs> Earth DAO. We're, yeah, we're, we're we're working the name, but it's going to be Earth DAO. Um, but yes, what I just described there, which is the idea around like funds being put into a treasury where people can, you know, take a piece from if that's what the community votes. 
is called a DAO. I mean, I don't think all creators should be a DAO because that's, like I said, the whole point of the whole problem with the current creator economy model, which is fantastic. Like people are getting jobs for just talking to a camera, which I think is great. Yeah. But I think people right now, creators are chasing pennies. Like you have to be the largest creator in the world to make six figures or a, a big enough yeah. living. That's why I, there's a lot of like crappy content out there because people are chasing views, not community, not like quality. And it's like, I fell in this trap. Like I, for a longest time had to hit like a hundred K views every week in order to like pay my rent because, you know, the AdSense model pays you per thousand views and it's like nothing you're chasing pennies. So like, how can you just have quality over quantity? Well, I, I do think, you know, in retrospect, you don't need a lot of viewers like or, or buyers for an NFT launch to be successful, right? A lot of the you know projects right now are like a hundred or so products, not like thousands and millions of views, right? So I think it's it's not necessarily. I mean, obviously, right now I'm aware that like NFTs are at a very high high hype, but I don't see it going anywhere because I do think um, like this. There's this idea around quality members and rewarding them for being there in terms of in either a form of a token ownership of a DAO and treasury and using the NFT to be like, Hey, these aren't the people. And like, these, this is like a badge to showcase that mm. I am a part of this tribe. So I think that, you know, does a creator need to have their own DAO? I don't think so, but you can, for example, start with, Hey, I'm launching some sort of NFT collection. Even if you don't want to do web three, just take a merch drop. For example, if you're launching a t-shirt, give all those people that have put their credit card information in your Shopify website, the ability to chat with you, connect with you deeper. And, you know, in return, you give them some sort of utility value, but in the future, you could actually give them like token value. So I don't think people need to rush to make a doubt at all. It's just the idea around getting closer to the people that contribute and giving them a reward back. It could be time, it could be energy or tokens in the future. Yeah. I guess it's like, you're kind of describing like social value, which people can start monetizing on off of, I guess, like the typical, uh, yeah, the typical monetization strategy, which is like to sell a physical item to like thousands or like millions of people. But um, I feel like whenever I hear creator economy, I hear creator ownership a lot, but I haven't really seen it be applied that much. Do you think that this is just kind of like a trending topic and actually a lot of creators aren't going to get paid and like this whole model of like chasing pennies, as you mentioned, is just going to remain the same. Or do you think there's actually like fundamental change happening in the industry? Uh, it's really slow. If it is, I haven't mm. seen it either. <laughs> I think like, you, I mean, look, like if you're a creator and you have, let's say your house rent or your, your rent is like 5k a month in LA. Blech. So, so expensive. Um, do you want to get paid in tokens or do you want to get paid in your 10K deal in fiat? Probably the fiat, you know? Like, I think, <laughs> I think there's a sense of like, what? Why, why would I, why would I want an NFT? Because I, you know, but there, there, that's a huge majority of LA creators, but there is this like maybe 15 or 10 people literally in LA, right? I know that don't need to worry about money because they've diversified. And, you know, there's this like saying, you know, we're going from an economy of like getting rewarded from labor to ownership, right? Like the richest people in the world, they own the assets, they own the land, they own the house, right? Um, now we're kind of living in this like digital landscape where you can own digital assets, digital economies. And the thing is though, those types of people that can afford to, in, ex in extent, um, in 
exchange for equity in a company or ownership in a DAO, they get, you know, they, they deliver their time or people that typically are more wealthy or better off or been a creator for a long time, but that's not everybody. And I think that's why like essentially you're catering towards like a 1% of the whole group and 99% of people don't care yet because mm. yet they, it, right now it's, it's like web two is already still hard to make money. What the heck is going on in web three? I do think it's going to change. It's just like more people need to have a stable income first with their own creator economy business model. And then I think they can start to care. It, it is really tough because it's not accessible for everyone to want to be involved in a DAO or Web3. Yeah. I mean, do you see that there's any differences in like approach to growth in that like works in Web2 that will change in Web3? Or do you think like the approach to growth, which is just like frequency, like getting the mark, finding your audience is just going to be pretty much the same? That's a good question. So Sigil, we, I know you talked to, we talked about this as like a, on a random call and he's like, I think there's a concept around a crypto creator, not a creator that happens to have a monetization with crypto. And mm-hmm. he described it really interesting. Um, personally for me, I've came from web two to web three, so wouldn't be able to speak on that. But from what I've seen, I don't necessarily think the whole model is growth and frequency and content and being a machine. You know, that's, one avenue that works for a lot of creators, but not all. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, could you just, you know, be like kind of like a sigil when and, and, you know, build an audience on Twitter, post a couple of videos casually, you know, maybe there's a way for it not to be such of a media industry push, like, you know, mm-hmm. content machine. But for now, I think it's, it's a, it's a proven model and that's why people stick to it. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, you know, there's like somebody who's like sigil and like, he's very much like a Gen Z creator. And I'm sure there's like plenty of people that are like him and like in the Gen Z category that are creating right now. Do you see as like somebody who's running an agency, a difference in what creators are creating for like millennials and Gen Z? Like, are there just separate topics or is there kind of like people just like cooking? Like that's just like a generational thing. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. This is going to like shoot down my millennial audience, but yeah, there's a huge (laughs) difference. Like, okay. So if you look up, if you go right now on YouTube and search how to, how to start a business, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> there is like some boomer content. And then I consider the Gen Z content. Like if you search up how to start a business, there's going to be people that are like the Ty Lopez kind of like, let me show you a cool Lamborghini and car and sell you on this idea. Yeah. I'm sorry, but there's like, I would consider that like the girl boss energy, like selling you in the dream is very millennial to me. And I think the Gen Z vibe is like, I don't know what I'm doing and this is kind of a mess, but let's figure yeah. it out together. Yeah. Um, and that's where I see a couple of creators that are like more vlogging themselves, creating a business versus teaching or talking down. So it's not necessarily a, you know, a strategy, but just a style of content. And I think the number one thing that Gen Z doesn't like is being talked down to, which is why I think Sigil is a you know, great example. He's just documenting his journey. You know, it's not like yeah. I'm better than you. I'm with you. And yeah. I think that's the biggest shift. It's like, I think I mentioned this in the beginning. It's like, you can just be yourself and you can share your failures. It's kind of upsetting. One of my most popular videos in the past year is this video of my, on my channel called how my business failed in 21 months. And it's just me talking about everything I did wrong in one year. And of course that video has (laughs) views. and, but it's funny because people were like, Thank you so much for talking about all the crappy moments as an entrepreneur. I've only seen the positive ones and it made me feel yeah. bad. I think a lot of people will be a lot more empathetic if you share about your struggles. And that's why 
I like to, because it makes people feel like they're okay. Also experiencing their own. Yeah, it's interesting because I read just the other day, I think it was like the Wall Street Journal or something that said Instagram was affecting the mental health of like young girls. And yeah. I think it was like specifically because there was just this like huge creation of like, like people aren't really even people on there. Like it's just highlights and it's not real. And I think people are just getting like so sick of that. So I guess it's like what you're saying is that like the principles of like what matters to people is the same, but the approach is different. And there's sort of more vulnerability, more rawness and like honesty that's like tied into that. Is that right? Yeah, I think Gen Z are like FBI. Like they can smell the BS. <laughs> like if you if you talk about something that you don't fully um, are authentic to, they're like, hmm, I don't think this is real. So I think it's just more like, they're just a little bit more nosy. <laughs> oh my God, that's crazy. Okay, cool. So it's like, what do you think are the advancements in social media, like tech-wise that we're going to see? Because like right now, I think the biggest thing is like, yeah, you have a video and like there's some, probably some like augmented reality stuff with like the filters, but what's going to be next on the tech space? Like, are we going to be seeing people like creators in the metaverse? Like how far is that? This type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Really good question. Yeah. So I think on a very short term, like if this is basic tech technology, but translation is huge and creators haven't even tapped into it. There's so many languages in the world and a lot of creators are just speaking into English. I think the biggest creators are going to be able to speak in Portuguese, Indonesian, Chinese, like there's already tools. So YouTube actually like last month released a dubbing tool where creators can instantly convert their YouTube video into a different language, but no one's using it. So if you're a creator, I definitely think you need to think outside your own area and expand to other regions because um, when you're able to make your content fully accessible, right? That's when you're able to really grow a huge community and strong community. The next thing I would say on a more like bigger stand front in terms of the metaverse, um, is I actually had this conversation with my friend, Brandon Walsh. He's a vlogger with around like 2 million on, on YouTube as well. Um, and TikTok. And he's actually working on a merch drop. I don't know if I'm, I'm maybe he's, he told me that I could say this, but, um, just in case, <laughs> uh, he's working on like a, a clothing, you know, merch drop, but instead of people trying it on in store, you can try it on in this like decentralized world. Mm -hmm. And there's like this meet and greet component. Um, very similar to like, if you want to meet your favorite creator at VidCon, which is a physical event that happens every year that's canceled this year because of Corona. You know, I think a lot of creators are just trying to mimic physical and, you know, digital uh, physical experiences into the digital. So that's really interesting. I'm seeing that. So if, if you know, um, there's nothing new to creating a meet and greet, but I think in the metaverse will be super interesting to see because I think people crave um, these access points to your, their favorite creator and one way to do it is through like a, a meet and greet. Um, so that's what I've seen. And I think that's really interesting. Other than that, I think, like I said, it's very slow. I think the only thing I've seen so far creators have done is just launch an NFT, which is pretty, not basic, but like one dimensional. I am looking forward to seeing how creators enable access and utility. Like anyone who is an NFT holder can come meet me at this XYZ game or world. And you can use this NFT for something actually useful. Like, I, I think there needs to be a bit more time in order to see that. But yeah. my conversations with my bigger creator friends have definitely been excited to see where that will be going. For sure. Well, this has been amazing and like really eye-opening. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Thanks, Maxine. You can find me on all socials on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube at Jade Dharma Wangza. If you just search J-A-D-E-D, -E it should pop up. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Maxine.